Welcome to the Rabbi Greenberg Show, the podcast that brings Jewish knowledge to you. Gold, the most precious of metals, plays a very important role in Judaism. The temple, the Beit HaMikdash, the holiest place on earth, was adorned with gold. The menorah, the beautiful candelabra, was made out of gold. The ark that contained the tablets was made out of gold. And so many other parts of the temple and its vessels were made out of gold. The high priest, the Kohen Gadol, in addition to his regular garments, had golden garments. Gold was very important in the holy temple and in our rituals. Because when God created the world, there was no need for gold. But the Midrash tells us, God said, but I want you to use a special metal for my holiest dwelling place, the holy temple. And once, the Midrash says, God created gold, he allowed us to benefit from it as well. But essentially, gold was created for holy purposes. Now, the Talmud tells us that Ayom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, which we read about in this week's Torah portion, the Kohen Gadol would enter into the Holy of Holies, the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies. See, the temple was divided into different seg- sections. The innermost section, called the Kodesh HaKadashim, the Holy of Holies, no one was allowed to enter except the high priest, and only one day a year on Yom Kippur. So here you had the holiest person, at least that's what the high priest was supposed to be, the holiest person, didn't always work out that way, but that was the way it was in many years, especially when Aaron, Moses' brother, was the first Kohen Gadol. He's the holiest person entering in to the holiest place on earth, on Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year, here you have the convergence of the three holies, which represents the three different aspects of creation. As it says in the Sefer Yetzirah, the Kabbalistic book, the book of creation, that everything in existence is divided into three. Olam, space, that's the holy temple, the holy of holies, the holiest place. Shana, time, that's Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year, and Nefesh, soul, the holiest soul, Yom, the high priest. So all these three converged together, and he would enter the Holy of Holies without the gold investments. He would not be allowed to wear gold. He would have to wear simple linen garments. Why? If gold was so important because it represents the choicest, the most expensive, the most beautiful adornment befitting the palace of the king, befitting the holiest place on earth, which is why they had gold throughout the year. Why couldn't he enter the Holy of Holies with gold? Especially on the holiest day of the year. The Talmud gives two answers. The first answer is, Ein kategor nase senegar. Translated literally, a prosecutor cannot become a defender. What does that mean? Just like in a trial, you have a prosecutor who brings evidence to support the guilt of the accused, and you have the defender, the lawyer that defends. You can't use the same person for both roles. 
and doesn't even need explanation why that's so. It's, it's obvious. The prosecutor cannot be the defender. Well, what does that have to do with not wearing gold? When the Kohen Gadol entered into the Holy of Holies, the objective was to procure atonement, forgiveness for the entire Jewish people. Now, we have a record. Our record is that soon after we became a nation, after we received the Torah at Mount Sinai, when God told us unequivocally, don't have any other gods in my presence, and 40 days later, in the absence of Moses, they created a golden calf, and many of them worshipped it, that was the most heinous crime we could have committed, and it was a stain on our record. You don't want the high priest to enter into the Holy of Holies wearing gold, which is a reminder of this terrible sin that was transgressed through the use of gold. So it, it would be like the prosecutor. The gold is the prosecutor because it reminds us and reminds God. God doesn't need reminding, obviously, but it invokes the memory of the golden calf. You don't want to use that to be the defender. It will mitigate, it will undermine and compromise the role of the defense on Yom Kippur. That's one explanation. But then the Talmud gives another explanation. And this explanation establishes a precedent in Jewish law. The Torah has pity, this is literal translation, has pity on Jewish money, on the money of Israel, which means that even though it would be nice to have golden garments, ignoring the first argument that it's a prosecutor, but nevertheless, we don't want to spend so much. God doesn't want us to waste our money. Gold is very expensive. And when he could go in without golden garments, that was preferable. But this, of course, begs for explanation. Why are we so insistent that we can't spend the money on gold? Doesn't he wear gold throughout the year? Moreover, even on Yom Kippur, the services that he does outside of the Holy of Holies, some of those services required that he wear the golden garments. <coughs> Excuse me. So why is it then that when he goes into the Holy of Holies, the holiest place, he should certainly be wearing the gold, which he wore when he was doing the service in the other parts of the temple? Why would we be so intolerant of gold when we were so tolerant and embraced it for other services in the temple, on Yom Kippur as well. So to answer this question, we have to reconcile this statement that God has pity, the Torah has pity on Jewish money, not wanting us to, to spend needlessly. How do we reconcile that with another principle mentioned in the Talmud that says we shouldn't skimp when it comes to the holy temple, there's no room for poverty in a place of wealth. The temple was a model of wealth. The physical wealth, which was in the temple, was a reflection of the spiritual wealth that was contained there. Because in the, in the ultimate way of existence, the way God created this universe, 
is that the physical is supposed to be a reflection of the spiritual. If the spiritual is beautiful, the physical has to be beautiful. If the spiritual is rich, then the physical manifestation of it is rich. Because in, in the ultimate existence of the world, there is an alignment between the spiritual and the physical. That's the way it ought to be. Unfortunately, because of the behavior of people, it brought a degradation to the world, and there's a misalignment between the spiritual and the physical. Because of this misalignment, you could have something beautiful inside and not beautiful outside. You could have something rich inside and impoverished externally. But the temple, which represents the paradigm of perfection, it's God's dwelling place, it's God's home, the physical appearance of wealth, gold, was not some fancy thing to impress people, but it was a manifestation of, a reflection of the spiritual reality. This was the wealthiest place on earth because this is the place where God, who is infinite, would dwell. So therefore, the Talmud says, there's no room to have poverty in a place of wealth. It wouldn't skimp on things just because you could save a few dollars here or there. That was out of the question. So the question is asked, how do we reconcile these two Talmudic principles? On one hand, we're saying God has pity on Jewish money. We shouldn't waste gold on Yom Kippur when he enters the Holy of Holies. And on the other hand, we say that in holy places like the temple, place of wealth, spiritual and physical wealth, we're not supposed to skimp. The answer requires a better understanding of what it means that God has pity on Jewish money. Yes, it has a literal meaning that in some cases we don't want to spend frivolously. <clears throat> Excuse me, but it means more than that. It has a deeper meaning. The Hebrew word for pity, mercy, compassion, is chas. In fact, in the upcoming holiday of Passover, we find a, relation, a, a reference to this idea twice. Number one, the bitter herbs that we're supposed to eat at the Seder. The Talmud says there are five different kinds of plants that qualify for bitter herbs. One of them, and the most preferred actually, is romaine lettuce. We're not going to go into why romaine lettuce, which doesn't seem to be bitter. We explained that in another class. But romaine lettuce in Aramaic is called chasa because God has pity on the Jewish people. In fact, the very name of the holiday, Pesach, Passover, has several meanings. One of them, of course, is Passover. And the other one is it has the meaning of God has pity. Pesach has the letters for pity in it. God had pity on the Jewish people and took them out of exile. So we see that the word pity is related to Passover. What does that mean? Why does God have to have pity on us? When do you have pity on someone? If someone is deserving, someone worked a good day's work, put in the hours, hard work, successful work, work done with excellence, and you pay them their wages, would you say, I'm, getting pay, I'm paying you, you my employee who works so hard, because I have pity on you? Because I have compassion for you? Obviously not. He earned it. The person worked hard and deserves to get paid. 
And by telling him that I have pity on you, that's why I'm paying you, that's an insult. <clears throat> when do you have pity on someone? When someone is not deserving, someone messed up his or her own life, someone who got involved with alcohol and drugs and is now helpless, and that person is guilty of putting himself or herself in that position, and you say, look, I'm a human being, I have compassion, I will not treat you based on your behavior and how guilty you may be. I have pity on you. So if, if we have to sum it up, the idea of pity is the idea that even if you're not deserving, even if something about your behavior does not warrant that I give you what I'm giving you, I will have pity on you. That's what the whole holiday of Passover is really all about. What does it mean that God had pity on us? And how does that connect to the other translation of Pesach as God passed over? So the answer is that what was the real miracle of the Exodus? The ten plagues? Sure, they were great miracles. The splitting of the sea? A phenomenal miracle. But the greatest miracle was, arguably, that the angels complained to God, God, why are you saving the Israelites and drowning the Egyptians? Elu, ve'elu, these and those were idol worshippers. The Jewish people degenerated into idol worship, which later on took its toll when they worshipped the golden calf. They couldn't get rid of it. They couldn't expunge it from the system. It was so ingrained, at least in some of them. And God says, I don't care. I have pity on them. I have compassion for them. What did God do? The angels represents God's system of justice that he instituted in this world. And God says, I'm going to override my system. That's what compassion is, overriding the logic, overriding the case against you. God says, no, I don't care about your behavior, what you deserve. I have pity on you. Let's go back to that Talmudic expression that applies to Yom Kippur, that the high priest would not wear his golden vestments, his golden garments, when he entered into the Holy of Holies because God has pity on Jewish money. Now, it doesn't mean, as the simple translation suggests, that we're going to be cheap when it comes to the temple. The high priest was not cheap at all. He wore gold throughout the day. Just when he entered the Holy of Holies, he says to God, God, I'm not coming here because I represent gold. I'm not coming here because everyone is perfect. Everyone is beautiful. Everyone is adorned with so many good deeds. Yes, that's true for many people. But I want you to go beyond that. I want you to look at our core, at our essence that transcends the exquisite nature of gold the external trappings of gold. I want you to see into the very heart and soul of every individual, which is pure, which is clean, which is simple. I want you to not look at the money, at the value that each person brings to the table. When it, We could judge that at a different time, but when I come into the Holy of Holies, I want you to override your view of the money, of the gold. I want you to look into the hearts and souls of every individual. That's what we mean when we say 
that God has pity on the money of Israel. God overrides the value that we bring based on all of our activities, all of our actions. He transcends that. That doesn't mean that they don't have value, but that's true throughout the year. We can come to God and say, we did this mitzvah. We deserve that you respond to us, reciprocate with this benefit. Even on Yom Kippur, we can come to God with all of our mitzvahs. But there's a point where we come to God and say, no matter how good we are or lack thereof, look inside of us. Transcend your view of our gold and judge us on the basis of the innermost precincts of our heart and soul, which is what happens on Yom Kippur, that that innermost essence of our soul comes to the fore. And it happened especially when the high priest, who represented the entirety of the Jewish people, entered into the Holy of Holies, this place of purity, this place of total innocence. That is the story of Yom Kippur, where the high priest would not wear the gold because he transcended the gold. And it's interesting that this Torah portion that we read about Yom Kippur It's not Yom Kippur, obviously. We read this on Yom Kippur as well. But this is read in close proximity to Passover because there's a connection. Passover, God passes over. He transcends. He overrides his system in order to liberate the Jewish people. And Yom Kippur, the high priest, would transcend the system that is based on the gold, the gold standard transcending the gold. And it's interesting that these two holidays have other things in common. On Yom Kippur, we wear white, the kittel, the white garment. It's a symbol of purity and innocence. Many people have a custom that at the Seder night, they also wear a kittel, this white garment. Another similarity, at the end of the Seder, we declare Lishana Haba B'Yerushalayim, next year in Jerusalem. That's what we declare at the end of Yom Kippur. Why do we say next year in Jerusalem? Jerusalem is the place where the temple was built. That's the place where the core of our soul is revealed. And both on Yom Kippur and on Passover, that comes to the fore. There's also a passage in the Talmud that says that when Mashiach comes, he will come when we are distracted. That's the simple meaning, that we're not even thinking about it, and all of a sudden, Mashiach just appears. But in Hasidic thought, it says it means something much deeper than that, that whatever we imagine will happen in the days of Mashiach, it'll be way beyond that. It'll transcend that. How does that apply to this discussion here? While the high priest would come into the temple on Yom Kippur, and even if there was no gold, the Jewish people were not behaving he would still come to God and say, transcend your system. Don't look at the gold, look at the purity. But we, in the course of centuries, millennia, have proven ourselves with righteousness. We amassed a tremendous amount of spiritual wealth, of spiritual gold. But yet, we come to God and say, God, don't limit what you see in us to our gold, Look at our core, look at our inner essence, and that will be fully revealed in the Messianic age. That's what it means that God, taking us out of exile, will represent 
going beyond knowledge, going beyond that which we could see with our eyes, the wealth that we could see, we will then experience this transcendent wealth, which is essentially represented by the white linen that the high priest wore when he entered into the Holy of Holies. Thanks for listening to The Rabbi Greenberg Show. 